It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Talk to me, sleep. The girl beneath the ice. Professor Harris gently tapped the glass of the creature's tank. He did so twice, but the fish in the water beyond did not respond. It only continued drifting. A repulsive looking thing, deep brown in color, further obscured by the darkness of the water. It has a wide, gaping lower jaw and rows of thin, needle-like teeth and soulless black eyes and that little light, the enticing bioluminescent light on the end of its stalk, a glimmer in the void, a spark of false hope to the fish that sees its shine, the shine of the Arctic anglerfish. Harris imagined being the first to secure accurate readings for the hypothesized deep sea migration of the fish, despite them being notoriously solitary creatures. If he was correct in his predictions, the fish would be making their passage through the water nearby in a few days' time. He fantasized about the implications his research would have on understanding the behavior of deep-sea predators as a whole. I'm sure he was excited about the awards he would be in line to receive. She was spotted again today, a loud voice said at the back of the room. Harris jumped up from the tank, turning and pushing his glasses back up his nose. Who? Harris asked automatically. But in truth, he had a pretty good idea. You know who I'm talking about, came the reply from the man leaning against the laboratory door, a man taller and broader than Harris. That girl, the one the researchers keep seeing in the ice. His name was Gould, and he took delight in how easy it was to bother and unsettle his colleague. There's no girl, Harris replied uncomfortably. I said this before. Refractions in the light caused by ice crystals. Gould took a step into the room and waved his hand dismissively. Yeah, sure. Forget the fact that three separate teams have all seen the girl for themselves and all say the same thing. Gould, come on, Harris replied. You're a man of science. Do you really believe that? I believe in the evidence presented to me, as all scientists should. Gould interrupted with a level stare. You might choose to do otherwise, but that's none of my business. No, that's, that's not. Gould gestured to the fish tank at the back of the lab. You're at risk of becoming so obsessed with your readings that you miss the true wonders of this world. I know what I'm going to be doing tonight, and it ain't measuring the movements of an ugly fish in a tank by myself. I'm going to see if I can find the girl. I want to see if she's real, and I'll be sure to let you know if she's a cutie. He winked and then turned to leave the room, whistling as he did so. Harris fumed for a minute, suddenly embarrassed by his fantasies of the success of his research. 
He packed away his equipment and finished up his writings. He was still irritated by the things that Gould had said to him. I believe in the evidence presented to me, as all scientists should. You might choose to do otherwise, but that's none of my business. Harris thought about those two particular phrases over and over again all day and through the night. God damn it. Gould always knew what to say to really stress him out. Is that how people thought of him? Did they not take him seriously as a scientist? Eventually, it became too much. With his jaw clenched, Harris threw off his sheets and clambered out of bed, pulling on his winter gear and Arctic boots and face mask. He opened the door to his dorm and strode out down the corridor, past the security guard dozing at the front desk. Oh, hey, Professor Harrington, the guard said, rubbing his eyes. It's Harris, actually, but yes, nice to see you. The professor replied politely. Offer some night work, eh? Well, yes, I suppose, of sorts. I'll be back within the hour. My GPS is on. The guard replied with a quick, informal salute. Best of luck to you. And Harris carried on along his way, pushing out through multiple sets of doors, each segment of corridor growing colder and colder until he had stepped out from the building and into the snow beyond. It was a windless night, and snow fell silently all around. Harris took a deep, full breath of cool night air and marched out into the wilderness. Following the path of the flags laid out by previous explorers, they stood about 50 meters apart, not blowing in any breeze and still plainly visible. He trudged through the snow, his breathing loud in the vastness of the landscape. Glancing up, he saw the row of flags break into two. The orange flags carried on along their way, and a new line of flags, these ones red, disappeared off into the haze to his left. These he followed, as they would lead him past the circle of ice. The circle of ice which supposedly housed the girl. That's where she was seen every time, at least. And now, it was Harris's turn to go and bitterly take a look for himself. He followed the path of flags, passing on his left an immense glacial wall, striking up tall and jagged towards the snow-streaked sky. Beautiful and yet terrifying. A great crack ran down one of its sides. Harris followed it down with his eyes and then turned his attention back to the way ahead. It wasn't long before he found what he was looking for, a place where the ground beneath his feet was incredibly thin. Not thin enough to fall through, of course, but thin enough to see down into the dark of the water below. Harris's heart had begun to pound, though he wasn't entirely sure why. He looked around. There was no one else, just him, a lone wanderer in the wasteland. He cleared his throat and walked out a little further onto the wide circle of thin ice. He dropped to his knees about halfway across, using his gloves to push aside the gathering snow. This is where the supposed sightings took place. The researchers saw glimpses of movement beneath the ice. They claimed to see a girl, a girl swimming about beneath. Harris spent about 10 minutes peering into the water, and then he paused. And with a sigh, he leaned back, resting on his feet. What the hell am I doing? He thought, this is insane. I can't believe I allowed myself to get pressured out of bed and go all the way out here in the middle of the night. 
looking for something nonsensical and as impossible as a girl. It was a good view though. He spent a minute just watching the stars and was about to clamber back up and make his weary return to base when a flash of movement by his feet caught his attention or below his feet perhaps would be more accurate. The fuck? He muttered out loud, taking a step back in fearful retreat. There was a blur. He could have sworn that there was a blur in the water, but already he began to doubt himself. He calmed his nerves. He prepared to turn and walk away for a second time. And as he did so, he saw her. Christ! He shouted in alarm, but he found himself unable to move, unable to run, frozen in place and staring down into the water through the ice. The girl floated silently on the opposite side. Her hair was long and white and flowed out in all directions. She couldn't be older than 19 or 20. It was difficult to tell through the ice, but he could see her eyes, wide and sad. She was dressed in a long, white, flowing robe of sorts, and she lifted a hand to press her fingers on the ice from beneath. Holy, holy shit! Harris blurted out, dropping back to his knees. Are you, are you okay? Can you hear me? Do you need help? He put his hand against the ice and the girl in the water moved to match her hand to his. She looked up at him and the strings of Harris's heart were pulled suddenly tight. She was, to put it bluntly, beautiful. The longer he looked at her, the more obvious this truth became. She was enchanting, alluring, one might say. How is this possible? Harris murmured, watching as she swam and drifted beneath him, floating to and from in the water and looking longingly up through the ice. This, this doesn't make any sense. The girl traced her fingers across the barrier and then began to fade as she swam back down into the depths. Wait! Harris shouted, jumping to his feet. Please, wait! She dropped into the deep and disappeared, vanishing down into the darkness. Come back! He yelled, but there was no answer. His words were lost to the snow, falling thicker and faster with every minute. The cogs turned in the scientist's brain and he spun around on the spot, hastily making his way back to base. He didn't get any sleep that night. He spent it planning and obsessing over the girl on how to get her out, on a means to break the ice. His efforts did not go unnoticed. The researchers who worked around the circle of ice were at first quite happy to know that there was someone new to confirm their supernatural sightings. But this pleasure quickly withered as the depths of Harris's obsession became clear. Gould took interest in the sudden change in Harris's demeanor. He approached the man that evening as Harris was finalizing the forms he would need for the equipment. The equipment sufficient to cut through the ice. He'd already planned out how he was going to bring up the subject with the team in charge of the site. He knew he'd need the backing of the researchers who had seen the girl for themselves. But those guys only saw fleeting glances, shapes in the water. He had seen her. He had met her. His train of thought was interrupted as Gould clapped a hand on his back. Hey Harris, what's up with you? You've been all over the place today. Your fish migration thing isn't for another three days, right? And I thought you were nearly finished. Don't tell me you left it all till the last minute. No, of course not, Harris replied, trying to squirm away. I just, I have another project I'm working on. It's important. 
Is that so? And what would that be? A little late in the game to start something new, no? I... I took your advice. Gotta seize the moment. I don't know when I'll be back in the Arctic, after all. Gould narrowed his eyes. You... took my advice? Mm-hmm. That's right. Harris replied, avoiding eye contact as he gathered papers from across the room. Gould licked his teeth. You saw her, didn't you? You saw the girl beneath the ice. Harris finally lifted his gaze. He wanted to keep the girl's existence from Gould. This was his breakthrough, not Gould's. But in that moment of eye contact, Gould saw the truth. He opened his mouth in surprise. My God, you did see her. Is that what this is all about? So she's real? Harris began to panic. Stay away from her, Gould. I'm the one she came to. She showed herself to me. Gould just shook his head. You're insane. I thought you were a man of science. This, this isn't science. There's no hypothesis here. You just want to, to what? What exactly is your plan here? Break the ice and get her out into the air? Harris, you realize that there must be a rational explanation for this. She won't be what you think she is. I know what I saw, Harris replied. And he summoned his courage. And I would advise you to stay out of my way. Gould raised his eyebrows. Harris braced, expecting a response. But the man just smirked and left the room. Tentatively, Harris continued with his work, doing his best to stay awake, until at last he collapsed against his desk and fell into a deep sleep. He was woken up by the alarm he had set on his phone. He groggily reached over for it, and he realized the time. This was the exact moment he had seen the girl. 24 hours before. In a panic, he jumped to his feet, knocking over his chair, rushing to grab his winter gear. Evening, Professor, said the security guard as he passed him by. Another night in the field? But Harris did not reply this time. He only sped right past and pushed on into the snow, racing through the wilderness as he followed the flags as before. He looked down at his watch. Come on, come on, he muttered, terrified that he was going to miss his chance to see her again. He passed by the great glacial wall and then stumbled to a stop as he looked ahead and down to the circle of ice. There was someone else there, someone facing away from him, looking down at the ice beneath their feet. Harris raced towards the figure. Hey, he called out. Hey, who goes there? The figure turned to his voice. It was Gould, of course. He shot the surprised Harris a quick grin before looking back down to the water. And just as Harris arrived next to him, panting and out of breath, he caught the flicker of pale movement in the water. She was shimmering white in the darkness, and then she was gone. No, he murmured, dropping to his knees. Wait, come back, please. Gould <laughs> laughed. Pathetic, he said. You've fallen for her, haven't you, Harris? You sad, lonely excuse of a man. The breeze turned sharp as Harris looked up to the man beside him. You've actually fallen for this scientific anomaly, this non-entity. There's gotta be some cause of hallucination around here, caused by melting ice, releasing crystals or something similar. Who's to say we even saw the same girl? I saw what I was expecting to see. She's a fragment of light, as you yourself said the other day, imaginary, nothing more. 
Harris rose to his feet, defiant. He knew that there might be some truth in what his adversary was saying, but he refused to admit it. I know what I saw, he said. I trust the judgment of my eyes and ears, not some fantasy illusion crystal or any other nonsense. Gould snarled and jabbed a finger into Harris's face. You're a fool and a joke. And he shoved past, heading for the route back to the base. Harris lingered a little longer, hopeful that the girl might return. But alas, she did not. Harris continued his preparation. He gathered what he needed and gained authorization for use of the equipment that would cut the ice. He had to create an excuse, though, as no one really believed that there was some girl trapped beneath the ice. The migration of anglerfish was due to pass near the ice, so he worked this factor into his proposal in order to get the approval. He won the researchers over, too, since they were keen to learn more about the source of the girl, even though none of them had seen her as he had. The girl was not the only thing on his mind as the days passed. The first concern was the migration of the Arctic anglerfish. This was the true purpose of his study here, and its passing by coincided with the night he was planning to save the girl. Could he really throw away all his work just like that? Could he abandon his duties? And his second concern was Gould. The man had claimed to have seen the girl too, perhaps even to have connected with her the way that Harris had, and this troubled him. It scared and frustrated him. Gould had given Harris a wide berth since their confrontation on the ice, and this worried Harris further. It was unlike the man to leave him alone, and he could only fret about what he was planning to do. The nights passed, and every night at the same time, Harris returned to the ice to look for her, but he found nothing. He found nothing, and yet, he was sure in his convictions that he would break through the ice and the girl would come up to the surface. She would answer his questions. A supposed impossibility would be explained, and who knows? Who knows what else might develop between them? The night came. Everyone had been rolled and driven into place the day before. Everything was ready for the morning operation that Harris had so meticulously, yet so rapidly planned. He opened his eyes and climbed out of bed. He tried to grab a couple of hours of sleep before his mission, but anxiety and excitement had kept him awake. He rubbed his eyes and hauled on his winter clothes, making his way down the corridors of the base. The security guard tipped his hat and nodded to the man. Harris attempted a weak smile and nodded back. The wind was blistering that night. With every step through the snow, Harris's mind was rushed with conflicting thoughts. A huge part of him wanted to be at the station he'd planned to be at weeks before, to gather the readings on the migration, to complete the purpose of his study. He might get some useful information tomorrow morning, sure, but the bulk of his research was supposed to have been gathered tonight. He paused at the intersection of the Trail of Flags continue on following the path of the orange or turn left and head after the girl? The girl. You have to save the girl. By tomorrow, it might be too late. She came to you, Harris, to you. With his jaw set, the man turned and hastened his way down the trail and past the glacier to his left. He picked up his pace at the sound of machinery rumbling over the little hills and mounds. He grunted with effort as he ascended the little hill the one with the view down towards the circle of ice. And at its summit, he saw to his horror that the ice was already broken. 
He saw the drills and the dividers used to keep the ice apart. He saw the blinking green lights of the machinery and the vibrating generator giving power to everything. And there, in control of it all at the panel, was Gould. No! Harris shouted down at him, but Gould did not respond. The man did not even look his way. He simply walked, as if in a trance, to the edge of the ice, to the hole that had been created there, and the dark, deep water that lapped near his feet. Harris could only watch with fury, and then despair, as he saw a flickering pale blur appear in the water nearby. It drew closer and closer, until it became obvious that it could only be the girl. Harris found his legs and began running across the snow towards him as fast as he could. Leave her alone! He would not allow Gould to take her away from him. He would not! But he could only watch as the girl rose up and out of the water. A figure of light and beauty, her hair glowing as white as the snow as the water dripped from her body. She reached out a hand to Gould, staring up into his eyes, and the man took it. He placed his hands in hers. Harris was struck with a terrible pain in his heart, an anguish he had never felt before. As quickly as this feeling had arisen, it began to subside in place of another. He stumbled to a halt, several meters from Gould's position. His cries dried in his throat as he stared in bewilderment and terror. Gould was enraptured. Despite his mocking words from the other night, it was now perfectly clear that the girl had had exactly the same effect on him as she did on Harris. Gould was totally and utterly taken by her, blind to all else as he stared up into her face. Her feet no longer touched the ground. The water dripped from her toes as she continued her ascent, her hand caressing the man's jaw. It was her now who was looking down at him. But what Gould didn't see, and what Harris could, was the enormous, twitching, black spine protruding out from between the girl's shoulder blades. It arced out behind her and disappeared down into the darkness of the water, a hideous, disgusting blight on the purity of the surrounding snow. Harris tried to call out and found that he couldn't. He was frozen completely to the spot with terror. He could only watch as Gould tried to gently pull his hands away. He watched as Gould tried to pull back a little harder. The longing and worship in his face flickered away as panic began to rise. Harris watched as Gould tried to get away. He cried out in alarm, slipping and stumbling down to the ice. One of his feet landed in the water with a splash. He twisted and turned and tried to scramble away as the girl looked down into his face. She rose up higher and higher. The long black spine protruding out from her back became longer and longer pushing aside the freshly cracked slabs and chunks of ice at the water's edge. A monstrosity arose the likes of which Harris had never seen. Except he had seen something like it. It was what he'd been studying so fervently for the past few weeks, the purpose of his entire trip so far north. It was a horrible looking leviathan, deep brown in color, further obscured by the darkness of the water pouring from its spines and bristles. It had a wide, gaping lower jaw and rows upon rows of enormous, needle-like teeth and soulless black eyes. The screaming and terrified Gould squirmed about on the snow. It's a giant anglerfish. The girl had never looked so lifeless. She was an object, 
Eris realized to his horror and dismay, she was not alive, not independently alive, at the least. Gould struggled and screamed. He looked over to Harris. Help! He cried out in a terrible panic. Help me! But there was nothing Harris could do. The long dark spine, or stalk, would be a better word, that was connected between the girl's shoulders was suddenly drawn back. Gould was dragged across the ice towards the water, towards the gaping, dark, and unforgiving jaws of the monster within. No! He roared as he was launched into the deep. The water splashed and the screams became trapped within the water. The great anglerfish drew back and sank beneath the water, devouring its prey. The girl, the light at the end of its stalk, drew dutifully back down with him. Harris did not go after her, of course. He merely sank down to his knees at the ice's edge, staring down into the water below him, dumbfounded. And in the water, he saw what he had hoped for at the outset of his expedition, the migration of his studied fish. Dozens upon dozens upon dozens of little lights swam below him, all flowing and shimmering in the same direction as they passed beneath. Though some of these lights, he didn't fail to notice, were far larger than the others. And amongst them, floating with the current, were copies of the girl, all the exact same and pale in the darkness. <laughs>